when I dream, when I dream about playing the piano, you know, I just close my eyes. I think I'm Helen Song, just doing it, playing on stuff that's not even on the piano. My goodness. Thank you for that gift, Helen. Uh, uh, Merry Christmas, everyone. Great to see you on this Christmas day. For those of you watching online, uh, great to have you join us. If you're new to our church, my name is Rich. I'm the lead pastor at New Life. And at the end of our service, uh, I'll be downstairs. Some of our staff will be downstairs. And we would love to meet you before you head out. I want to offer just a brief Christmas uh, reflection for us out of the same passage that we looked at last night, if you were with us for Christmas Eve, out of Luke chapter 2. So let me pray for us. Let's invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us as we uh, open up Scripture and focus on really what Christmas is about, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ into human history. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the gift of music and praise and worship and singing. We celebrate that you have come, that you are with us, that you are near. And Lord, I pray at this moment that you would open up our eyes, open up our ears, open up our hearts, so that we would receive every good gift you have for us this Christmas day. We offer this to you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. From Monday to Friday at 2.45 each day, I stand on the corner of my neighborhood, one of the corners, and I wait patiently for the school bus to drop off my daughter, Karis, from school. Karis is in second grade right now, so we wait patiently for the bus to come. And for the first couple of months of the semester, I would stand next to this 70-year-old Jewish man named Aaron. This is a picture of Aaron and I just a couple of weeks ago. And we would exchange every single day at 2.45 or so just some customary, superficial conversations. We talk about the weather. We talk about how expensive it is to live in New York City. We talk about how terrible the New York Jets are. We talk about stuff like that. And after we'd talk about the jets and talk about how expensive it is to live in New York City and talk about the weather, we'd stare out into the distance a little awkwardly, just waiting for the bus to come, praying for the bus to come. Lord, please make this bus come. We look at each other a bit awkwardly and say, it's coming. And then we look again and go, please make this bus come. A couple of weeks ago, I wanted to go a little deeper in our conversation and in my relationship with my neighbor. And so I began to ask him a series of questions. I recognized that he had a very heavy uh, English accent. And so I asked him if he was born in the United States. He said no. He said, I was born in Tajikistan, which is right neighboring there, China, Kyrgyzstan, and near Afghanistan. And he was born and raised there uh, for uh, 40-something years. Uh, but he was raised there during the rule of the Soviet Union. And as he began to ask him more and more questions, he would reveal more and more about himself. And in his very broken English, he would just pause for a moment to try to find the right words to describe his experience living in Tajikistan under the Soviet Union rule. I asked him, what did you do for a living in your country? And I was taken aback by what he would say. He said that he was an oncologist, a surgeon, a doctor. And he said for 15 years, he practiced medicine in his country. He was well known in that area, in his country, and he had performed many surgeries. But when the Soviet Union fell, he and his family had to leave his country because of civil war. And he found himself in Queens, immigrating to Queens. And life in Queens would be much different from life in Tajikistan. 
In a matter of months, he would go from practicing medicine and doing surgeries to receiving food stamps. In a matter of months, he would go from helping many people in many different ways in his medical profession to searching for a job. And in his time that he was here for the first few years, he would find these odd jobs. This surgeon out in Tajikistan would find jobs being a limo driver, find jobs working in grocery stores, find jobs working as an assistant in many different places. And what's interesting about his life, and many immigrants can attest to this, is that many people judged him and judged his intelligence based on how proficient he spoke the English language. And all the time, people had no clue who was in their presence. He would work at these medical offices as an assistant, sometimes as a technician, knowing more than everyone in the office. But because they judged him based on his ability or inability to speak English, they would look down on him. And yet he knew more than everyone in the office. Now, my conversations with my neighbor Aaron taught me as many things, but one thing is particular that it is easy for us to not truly see who's in our midst. It's easy for us to miss who is in our midst. This is both the challenge and the good news about Christmas. Every Christmas day and every Christmas season is a time of celebration and a time of confession. We celebrate the truth that God has come in the person of Jesus to be with us, to dwell with us, but we also confess that we too easily miss him that we miss the ways that God comes to us, that we miss the ways that God is near us. And whether you know it or not, God is present in your life. Maybe 2016 has been a very difficult time for you, maybe a difficult time for your marriage, maybe a difficult time financially, maybe just a difficult time generally speaking, but we celebrate this Christmas message that God is present. But too often, God gets crowded out, and we often miss God. Our text this morning gets at this exact point. In Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse number 1, we looked at this passage last night, but I want to show you another facet, another insight out of this passage. Hear the word of the Lord. It says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. And so Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem to the town of David because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them." Everyone, this passage says, had to leave their place of residence and go to their hometown where their family was originally from. And this would be, for many people, a long journey. And the purpose of this journey was, to, uh, was for the census was because the empire wanted to exert uh, uh, authority over their subjects. 
At a word, Caesar would say a census needs to be taken place, and they would have to move from one part of the world to another. And the purpose for the census was to register their names so that the empire would uh, tax them appropriately. And so here we are in the midst of a census. Uh, Mary and Joseph and her family, they're going to get registered. And in the midst of this crowd, Jesus is there, but no one sees him. Number one, because he's in the womb of Mary, but they have no clue who is near. It's amazing how God can be so close and we can miss him. When Mary and Joseph go to register, she is with child. She's close to giving birth to Jesus. And imagine the scene, it's a very crowded place, but no one knows who she's, she is. No one knows who Joseph is. No one recognizes the significance of her pregnancy. She is hidden in plain sight. And what we learn from this story is the truth that Jesus is often closer than we can imagine, but we often miss him. We miss him for many reasons. Jesus is close to us, but we miss him. There's many reasons why we miss Jesus' presence, why we miss his coming. One of the reasons we miss Christ and his coming is because we're so busy. Life gets very full. This Christmas season is a time where we're to focus on Jesus Christ and his coming, but we often get so busy. And we miss Christ, and there's many reasons why we are busy. It's, it's one of the things that we do in our culture that when someone asks you, how are you doing, many times we say, I'm busy. And we wear it as a badge, many of us. I'm busy. And so we, we say we're busy often for at least three reasons. Number one, we wear it as a badge. We want people to know I'm somebody. I do things. I'm someone. I'm busy. I have a life. The second reason we, uh, we say we're busy is because we want to basically uh, preemptively let people know, I can't help you. How's it going? Busy, what do you want? You know? Oh, you know, I just thought, oh, okay, I can help you with that. We want to let you know ahead of time, I can't help you. I don't want to help you. Okay, so I'm busy. But the third reason why we say we're busy is because we are actually very busy. And we often, because of our busyness, miss out on the coming of God in our lives. We're busy. The people in that day were very busy and didn't see who was in their presence. The other reason why we miss God's presence and God's coming in our lives is because we often live spiritually on autopilot. I love how Juliet Benner, a great author, said it. She said that tragically we live much of our lives on autopilot. We go through our days as sleepwalkers, unaware of God's presence inattentive to God's gifts and invitations, and failing to be present either to ourselves or God. We fail to notice that God is in the ordinary events of our ordinary days. That God is present in every facet of our lives, every morning, every afternoon, every evening, no matter where you go, God is present in our lives. This is what we celebrate at Christmas, that God has come, that God is near, but we often miss his coming. And that first Christmas, people missed the presence of God in their midst. And when you think of the census and the hustle and bustle of that, people moving from one part of the world to another to register, there are many images that come to mind. And over the centuries, artists have tried to portray what the census looked like. I want to show you one painting that's a very famous 
painting of the census. And it's based on this text in Luke chapter 2. It's painted by a man named Bruegel the Elder. Now, every painter uh, in painting is in a particular context. And so this is not what uh, life would have looked like in Bethlehem. This is not what life looked like when Jesus was born 2,000 years ago. This was painted in the 1500s in the Netherlands. And so every painter has their own context and, and paints and speaks from a particular context, but yet we can still learn many things from many different contexts. I want to give you a couple of moments to just examine this painting for a moment. So see, you make some observations. See, what, you, what do you notice in this picture. And I'm going to prompt you with just some questions that I want you to consider as you look at this painting called The Census. Just take a moment to reflect for a moment. What do you see? I want you to notice, first of all, the activity in the painting. Lots of busyness, lots of activity. I want you to notice the people in front of the building going to register, how crowded it is. Imagine the frenzy, imagine the screaming, imagine the arguments, the elbow shoving. I want you to notice the playfulness in this painting, the fun in this painting. Children on the ice, throwing snowballs, the playfulness. What Bruegel the Elder wanted to communicate was this simple truth that in ordinary life, God shows up. But the problem with this story that really depicts the problem is that the people in the painting fail to see who's in their midst. And often we fail to see who's in our midst as well. The easily overlooked figures of this painting are Mary and Joseph. And I want you to take a moment to try to, like, like where's Waldo kind of deal? I want you to take a moment to try to find and locate where's Mary and where's Joseph. For those of you stuck here, Mary and Joseph, they're right there. What this painting teaches us out of this passage in Luke chapter 2 
There's some very important uh, bits of truth for us as followers of Jesus. That number one, God shows up in the ordinary of life. That in the playing, in the conversation, in the working, God shows up in the ordinary of life. Often we want spectacular, supernatural encounters with God, but often it is God who shows up while you're making breakfast. It is God who shows up while you're helping your children doing homework. It is God who shows up as you are working. It is God who shows up as you take the train. It is God who shows up as you're eating. It is God who shows up as you're sleeping. In the ordinary of life, God shows up. This is what Christmas is about. In the ordinariness of life, God shows up. What this painting and what this passage uh, teaches us as well is that although God shows up, we often, often, often miss the presence of Jesus in our midst. That every single day, God comes to us multiple times a day and in multiple ways, but we often miss the presence of Jesus in our lives because we are too busy, because we are spiritually on autopilot, because our minds are not oriented to his presence. This passage really invites us now in Christmas to be prayerfully present that we can in retrospect see that although they probably couldn't notice Mary and that Jesus was in her womb, they probably had no clue about that. But in retrospect, we see the passage and we read the scriptures and we know that God shows up in the ordinary of life. Therefore, we are to be on the lookout for God because God can show up at any time. In the ordinary of life, God can show up. There's a passage in Ephesians chapter 4 which says that Jesus Christ came, Jesus Christ descended, and Jesus Christ ascended. And I love what Paul says. He says that Christ ascended, and then there's two important words, in order that his presence would fill the universe. Jesus Christ ascended to heaven in order that he would fill the universe, which is to say there's no place on this planet, no place on this universe that the presence of Jesus is not that he's here in this place, that he's here in your workplace, that he's at home. The question is not Jesus' presence. The question and the issue is, do we see him? Can we discern his presence? Some of you are experiencing trouble at home, but God is present. Some of you are experiencing trouble in your families, your marriages, but God is present. Some of you are experiencing pain and sickness, but God is present. Some of you might be experiencing darkness and depression, but God is present. And Christmas is a time for us to look deeper, to pay attention, because God can be right next to you. And we often can miss him. The beautiful message about Christmas, though, is not that God is just near us. The beautiful message of Christmas is that God is with us. You can be near someone, and not be with them. You can be near someone and be against them. But the beautiful message of Christmas is not just God's proximity, it's God's presence, that God is with us. I wanted to show you one more painting that I've shown a couple of different occasions, but I think it's a wonderful occasion to share this on this Christmas day. It's one of the more iconic paintings about the withness of God, that God is with us in one of Michelangelo's paintings. Michelangelo painted a magnificent image of God and Adam on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. And if you look carefully, you notice the difference between the two figures in the painting. We see God depicted to the right, and God is extended toward the man with great vigor. 
God twists his body to move it as close to the man as possible. His head is turned toward the man. His gaze is fixed on Adam. God's arm is stretched out. His index finger extended straight forward. Every muscle is flexed. God is reaching to touch Adam. And yet, you see God stretching, and you see Adam relaxing. Adam's arm is partially extended to God. He reclines as is to say, whatever. God is outstretched towards Adam. Adam's like, whatever. He's reclining in a lazy pose, leaning backwards as if to say he has no interest in making any connection at all. And God is outstretched towards Adam. And apparently one of the messages that Michelangelo wanted to communicate was God's relentless determination to reach out and be with the people he created. And even if we are like, whatever, God continues to stretch out his hand. God longs to be with you. God longs to be near you. And even if you don't want to be near with God, that doesn't change God's heart to want to be near to you. This is why Michelangelo draws God coming out of a heart. It is the heart of God that reaches out to humanity. And even if we're lazy and even if we're relaxed and even if we are disinterested, God relentlessly pursues us with love. This is the message of Christmas, that God is not just near, that God is with, that God has come to be with us, that God is for us. His heart is extended towards you. At Christmas time, we are reminded that God is with us. He is the with us God, that he is Emmanuel, that there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God, that God wanted to be near you. And this here is the fundamental difference between religion and what the gospel is. Christmas reminds us of this fundamental difference between religion and the gospel. Religion is humanity's effort, humanity's way of getting to God, to ascending to God. And we do it by maybe our good behavior, maybe coming to church, maybe doing good things more than we do bad things. And it's our way of trying to reach God. But here is the reality of religion. Religion can never get you to God. Because we are sinful human beings, because we are limited, we can never get to God. But Christmas shows us the beautiful picture that the gospel is better than religion. We will never get to God, but God says, I will come down to you. And Christmas reminds us, amen, that God says, although you can never get to me, I will condescend in love and come down to you to be with you. This is the message of Christmas. That although we can never get to God in our own effort, God comes to us. Merry Christmas. God comes to us. He is the with us God. The one who can't get enough of you. So much so that he says, I want to take on human flesh. That's how close I want to be near you. This is the message of the gospel. This is the message of Christmas. God with us. Let's pray. I want to invite the worship team to come forward. Christmas reminds us that God is here, that God has come, 
that God will come again in the person of Jesus to make the world right, to usher in a new heavens and a new earth, to resurrect the dead, to burst forth new creation, that we may live in an eternity of joy and peace. And until that day comes in its fullness, we are to be on the lookout for the God who shows up every single day in big ways and in small ways. And so, Lord Jesus, on this Christmas day, give us eyes to see. On this Christmas day, give us ears to hear. On this Christmas day, Lord, give us a heart to receive every good gift you have for us. And Lord, may this day be a day that's filled with joy, unspeakable joy. And as we sing to you these words, may we burst forth with praise, knowing that although we could not get to you, you came to us. And we celebrate your coming, Lord Jesus. And we celebrate that you're coming again. We sing to you now. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. amen. Let's stand and let's all sing with joy together. Amen. I want to invite the prayer team to come to my left. Uh, maybe you feel far from God today. Uh, maybe you feel isolated. And the good news of Christmas is that God has come to be with you, to have a relationship with you, to enter inside your life, to give you joy and peace, to rescue you from sin and darkness, to usher you into newness of life, into his kingdom. And maybe you want to say yes to that invitation today. Maybe you want to just come up for prayer for whatever's happening in your life. Maybe 2016 has been a very difficult time in your life. You want to just end it with a time of prayer. We would love to pray uh, for you before you head out. I want to pray a prayer of blessing over you in this place. That today would be a time where we would go home for the rest of the day and uh, enjoy the gifts of family and friends. Uh, but most importantly, cherish the presence of Jesus. Jesus is here in our midst, that he has come. And not only has he come, that he comes in the most ordinary ways, in the ways that we don't anticipate, in the ways that we might not be able to see. He's coming. And throughout the course of this week, may you have eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to discern the ways that the presence of Jesus is available to you in your ordinariness of life. So I want to pray a prayer of blessing over you and those of you watching online. I want to invite you to open your hands towards heaven. And if you're watching, we do this every Sunday because it's a picture of receiving blessing. We cannot give what we have not received. And we are here to give really the, the joy of Christmas, the life of Christmas, the love of Christmas. And this is a way of us saying, Lord, would you allow me to receive it in the deepest part of my being so that I may overflow those around me. With your hands and your hearts in the posture of receiving brothers and sisters and sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and may he keep you. May he shine his face upon you and fill you with peace. May you walk out of this building in the power of the Holy Spirit, knowing that Jesus is with you, that Jesus is near you, that his love, his life, his light, his joy is available to you on this Christmas day. And may God give you eyes to see his presence and to recognize the ways that he's coming to you throughout the course of this Christmas season. And may you say yes to him. Whatever he asks of you, may you say yes. I bless you all today in the strong 
in the beautiful, in the near name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Wish someone Merry Christmas next to you. Grace and peace.